Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So, Father, just pray for Peter. (laughs) You will come and bless us, Lord, with... uh, the word you bring through Peter. Father, we pray that you will uh, anoint him again and again, Lord, that as he speaks, your words will have power. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. So uh, last week, we were starting off the beginning of uh, Colossians 2, and uh, it started off, I want you to know, this is Paul speaking, how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who, who have never met me personally. And uh, we were showing you different people around the world. And uh, just as we were doing that, um, uh, Sarah and Nathan posted a picture of Nathan in Uganda with Emmanuel, one of the people we were talking about at one of the churches we were talking about. I never knew Nathan had been there. I knew he'd been to Uganda, but I never knew he'd been to that place. He looked a lot younger, I have to say. Um, and, um, but, um, but it was really great to see that we have these connections even before we know what's going on. And we're going to move on in this passage today. So uh, the next part, um, the beginning of uh, Colossians 2, verse 2, says this. And I think this should be up on your screen now. It says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. And so I want to talk about that this morning, about these um, strong ties of love, which is what Paul wanted to see for those churches. And uh, this was his prayer that, that, that as he wrote to the churches, that they would be encouraged and that they would have love for one another. Uh, and that so therefore they would be knit together. So I want to talk about love and encouragement today. So Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Are we getting these words on the screen? I don't know whether they're appearing for you. That's, um, that's from John thirteen thirty five. Jesus didn't say, um, I want your sermons for one another to prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say, I want your evangelism to prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus didn't say, I want the way you dress to prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say, I want the music that you listen to to prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say, I want your eco-credentials to prove to the world that you are my disciples. He might have believed that those things were important. But actually what he says is, I want your love for one another to prove to the world that you are my disciples. It wasn't just to demonstrate, but to prove to the world. And that's the kind of love that I want to talk about this morning. It's about loving those who are not like you. And like and love 
are very different. Ask a parent of a misbehaving child. They don't generally like them at that point in time, but actually they still love them. Just think about as a teenager, if your parent has just taken away your phone, they may have taken away your phone because they love you and because they want to see you disciplined. They want to see you grow in strength and wisdom. That's love. You might not like them, but actually they're demonstrating love to you as they discipline you. Now, um, I want to talk about some, some different parts of us uh, within church this morning. And uh, as we were driving here this morning, I heard Frank Skinner um, on Radio 2, and uh, he was talking about the fact that he was in the back of this Catholic church for six months. He snuck in as it started. He snuck out before it finished. He didn't talk to anyone. I've no idea how the story ended because Matthew turned off the radio and put on some music. Um, but actually, that's not God's picture for us in church life. That's not what he wants for us. Paul says here, I want you to be knit together. And uh, actually, when we're knitted together, we are stronger. So uh, just to demonstrate this, I've just got some cling film. And as you know, cling film is not very strong. So if you get a piece of cling film, then you can break the piece of cling film. Very easy. But if you get multiple bits of cling film and you knit them together and you make a rope out of them, then actually it becomes a lot stronger. You can't break it. And it doesn't matter how strong you are, you can't break that kind of bond. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, I want you to be knitted together so that you will be strong. As people of God, you will be strong. And because you're strong, you will show your love for one another. You will demonstrate to the world the principles of the kingdom of God, because actually you're knit together. Now, I just want to honour someone this morning, and I want to honour Jill Harper, who's not with us anymore because uh, she lives down uh, in the south. And um, her legacy for Church in the Peak was one anothering. And whenever you got together and you were talking, she would always talk about how we could one another. And uh, there's a lot of instances of uh, the word in Greek, which in English means one another. And uh, there's a hundred of them in the New Testament. And I just want to talk about some of those today. Half of those verses, which include that word, are aimed at us, the believers, the church. And I want to choose from those this morning. They are the the keys to the love that we need to show, but also they are keys to how we encourage one another. A third of them are to do with unity. And um, they come in unexpected places. So the salt verse, you know the salt verse from Jesus talking about salt is good for seasoning. It's in Mark 9. And he says, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You've all heard that verse. But he goes on. You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace 
with one another. And actually, when we think about that saltiness, we're not necessarily thinking about living in peace with one another. But actually, that's what Jesus says is the outworking of that verse. It's the living in peace. And that as we do that, we will change the very flavor, not only of church, but of society. In Ephesians 4, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Twice in one verse there. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And actually, as a people, we need to be known as a forgiving people. That we don't hold grudges against one another. And that as we do that, it changes the very nature of who we are as a people of God. That we forgive, that we move on. I wonder if you're holding on to stuff this morning that means you're not forgiving someone. And we're told to forgive and move on. A third of the verses are to do with love itself. And this verse that uh, we're speaking from uh, this morning from Colossians is one of those. Romans 12 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Church is kind of an odd place, isn't it? You wouldn't necessarily choose the people who are within church to necessarily be your close friends. They wouldn't be the people who perhaps you would go down the pub with on a Friday night. But actually, we're told to treat each other with genuine affection. Not put on affection, genuine affection. And honour one another. And as we learn to honour one another, our affection will grow. And actually, it will help tie us together, knit us together. Some of the verses are to do with Humility. Philippians 2, you know the Philippians passage well, I'm sure. And uh, it says in this, in verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. And that's a different type of one anothering. Thinking of others as better than yourself. And when we see the good in others, when we pick out their amazing features, and when we honour them for that, when we encourage them in that, we all become stronger. That passage goes on to talk about preferring others. And I think um, at the moment we're, we're being told to prefer others. We're told to to wear our masks when we're in public. And that's not for our own protection. That's because we prefer others. We're saying, I honour you, I love you, by wearing a mask to stop you catching what I might have and I don't know about. We're being asked to have a jab in our arm. And some people don't want to have the jab, and I understand that they may have 
issues with the science. As a doctor, I understand what people are saying. But actually, when we prefer others, we do something that we perhaps don't want to do for ourselves, because actually we know it's going to do them good. We know it's going to look after the weak in society. And so actually, having your jab, wearing your mask, is not about you. It's about preferring others. It's about showing love and care for those who are vulnerable within our society. Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. We all love our freedom. We are so blessed living where we are, aren't we? But don't use your freedom, Paul goes on, to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And I want to encourage you, as we gather together, serve one another. Even if you're not meeting others at the moment, you can still serve them and show them love. There's other verses that have this one anothering in. Share each other's burdens, says in Galatians 6, verse 2. We have to live out our lives together if we're going to understand each other's burdens and if we're going to be able to bear those together. The bad times as well as the good says in 1 Thessalonians 5, so encourage each other, build each other up, just as you're already doing. Paul could see in the Galatian church that they were doing this, and perhaps they weren't really doing it in the church in Colossae. We have to see each other and talk to each other if we're going to build each other up. Being an isolated Christian like Frank Skinner sat in the back of the church means you don't do that. People don't get from you and you don't get from them. We do this together. And you're not a Christian in isolation. You're part of a worldwide movement. And we are stronger together. We often get asked, who's the pastor of this church? And people will say different things. And uh, people say, I'm, I'm really upset. I've, I've been having a hard time and the pastor hasn't even been to see me. And then we ask them, and, and actually people have been to see them from the church. People have been to look after them and tend and care for them. And in the difficult times, there's others there. Others teach each other within the church, and we pastor one another. And we don't have a pastor, because we have many of them within our church. So in our small groups, we have leaders, and they are pastors to those groups. I'm not very keen on Zoom. I haven't been enjoying the Zoomy meetings particularly it's not like meeting together. It's not the same. And I know many of you feel like that. But I can get there at the end of a long day. I've often only been in half an hour or so before our group begins on Zoom. 
bolted down some food and I've sat down. Sometimes I haven't even changed out of my work clothes, pyjamas that I wear for work. And uh, I'm there on the sofa and I haven't got a lot to give. I've run out of steam at the end of the day. And you know what? My group see it. And they'll say, well, what has everybody got that they need prayer for? And I'm like, no, I haven't got anything for prayer. I I can't even think about what I need prayer for. And you know what? They pray for me. The people in my group see what's going on and they help me. They look after me. They build me up. They encourage me. And I thank them for that. And you know what? I come away from the thing that I didn't really want to do feeling built up, feeling stronger. And that's what happens when we get together. As we gather, as we encourage one another, we are stronger. Face to face, that's easier, I know, but it doesn't mean we don't continue to work on it when we're not together. Love and encouragement. That's what Paul asks of us. And you know what? If you do the things that I've been talking about, you will be encouraged. Others will be encouraged. And I want to finish up with a verse that comes at the end of a passage that you know well, that wedding passage about uh, love, the one that's always read. But Paul didn't write it for a wedding. Paul wrote it about us in church life. And 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, the verse that comes at the end, which is on its own before the rest of chapter 14, says this, and I love this version. Let love be your highest goal. Your highest goal. And that's what we're encouraged to do, to let love be the key. And as we let that dominate in our interactions with each other within the church, in our interactions with the people who are out there, we'll see things change and we'll see his kingdom come. Let's worship again, if I can invite back the worship band. Yeah, that was a great word. Yeah, Father, we just pray your love, Lord, will come and touch each part of us. I pray that uh, that love that we receive from you, we will also be rivers of living water flowing out to others as well. And we just, uh, we just, where we may feel isolated or you feel that nudge, that there may be people who are struggling and just give them a call, give them a, send them a card, do something simple like that. It will mean the world to people. But let love be the highest goal. Yeah. Jesus didn't call us to serve one another and love one another without modeling that and he was the servant king he came to give his life to serve to uh, love and to reach out to us when we were a long way from him your grace is enough